everyone. My name is Mike Schrage from Joplin, Missouri with GMPI, Good News Productions International. And this is another episode of Faith Greater Than Fear. We launched this back in March when we were all doing this massive pivot that we had no idea where it was going to take us and where it was going to end. And so here we are at the end of, oh my, another year, 2020, and we are still in the middle of it. But that's not as important as the fact of people who are people of faith telling their stories, helping us be encouraged along this way. And so today we got a great friend of ours, uh, Clyde Tabor, who's with us. Clyde, welcome. I'm happy to be with you. Thank you. Tell our audience where you're dialing in from and a little about you and your family, sir. All right, Clyde Tabor, Southern California, Orange County. I stay two miles from Saddleback Church, the mothership, and uh, I do go to Saddleback Church, have for quite a while, although not the last eight months. Uh, married for 31 years, kids are 26, 24, and 19, and doing well. And our ministry, Visual Story Network, is we help the church by training leaders to use media and story and innovation for the sake of the Great Commission. How did you get involved in that? Great question. So I um, was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, aka Crew, and I was campus ministry, and I was did that for 15 years on three continents. In fact, in the late 90s, we were based in Paris, France. Uh, one of my roles was overseeing North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia for the campus ministry arm. And I was on a trip to North Africa, of all places, where through a very unique set of circumstances, way outside the norm of my experience, God began to speak prophetically to say, I'm calling you into media. Uh, and I had one, one guy say that to me, like the Lord spoke to me. And then I, and then I shook his hand, I go, and tell me your name. I had no idea what this guy was. <laughs> anyway, and then I resisted and the Lord persisted. And I finally realized as the messaging just kept getting more and more clear, like, uh, I think this is God. So we left and we were on our transitioning out from Europe and that role back to the U.S. to an unknown role. And we ended up coming to the Jesus Film Project. And I became the new media guy. Did that for seven years. We built a team, produced all kinds of media. The last big project was Magdalena, a feature-length film on the life of Christ, but told from the vantage point of Mary Magdalene. It's been translated in like 170 languages. And then, uh, then seven years at the end of that run, through another set of circumstances, not quite as dramatic, but almost, the Lord said, well, you're leaving the Jesus film to help the church use media story and innovation for the Great Commission. And that's when we launched Visual Story Network. So today in Southern California, what do you do to help achieve what you feel God's called you to do? Thank you for asking. So, you know, we live in a world that's saturated by media, driven by entertainment, and constantly transformed by technology. So our whole goal is to help leaders, Christian leaders, pastors, missionaries, field workers, wherever they may be, take advantage of these global trends for the sake of growing the church, making disciples. So we, we train leaders in various areas of media and how to use media, how to use story, how to use technology, particularly like the mobile phone. We've got a whole community around what does AR, VR mean? Uh, so we train leaders. We build these global partnerships. We've launched six now and, or facilitate six kind of global partnerships that help the church do these things. And then we do produce media and equipping resources. So we're always about creating content that will help these leaders be more effective. It's in the age in which we live, we can 
it's not hard to take advantage of the tools that are accessible that accelerate and amplify what we're already doing. It's not a question of necessarily changing what we're doing, but it's accelerating what we're doing. So why is it important, Clyde, to, in today's world, be very, very focused on skill sets in media and or in story and tell yeah. a story well? Okay, why so is that to, important? Yeah, so obviously it's a mediated world. Screens are everywhere, you know. So I, we were in France for in the 90s and we came back and one of the things that bugged me is I, there's this, I'm, I'm getting gasoline into my vehicle and there's a, there's a TV there. And I'm like, why? Why is there a TV? And I'm just getting gasoline. I mean, that's just one of those excesses in my opinion. Yeah, the screens are everywhere. You know, can you go to a restaurant, or at least in America, where you know, like, you're, there's not a, a TV behind your spouse? Like, that drives me crazy. So whether it's TV screens, cinema screens have been around for a long time. You know, the computer screens, and now obviously, the big one, the most ubiquitous, is the mobile screen. Six, seven, what is it? Oh gosh, seven point seven billion people, but like eight and a half mil billion mobile phone subscriptions, most rapidly adopted technology in human history. And so our, our thesis is if people are spending time in the digital world, we have to be there where they are, giving them hope, offering them meaning in life through Christ. The second part of the, or the, the second question was then why story? Well, then what that does is, is because now we're all filmmakers. Okay, I hold up my phone, I push a button, I record and I upload to my whatever, Facebook, YouTube, other and now I'm a filmmaker and I am broadcasting myself. Uh, well, what does that mean? There's a lot of noise out there. There's, there's zillions of minutes of content that's available constantly being uploaded. Then one of the ways we feel that you do differentiate is through telling effective story, you know, speaking to someone where they're at with the story, setting a hook, a great story. Once it sets its hook, won't let somebody off until they have some resolution like, ah, you, you didn't finish that story. You got it. What happened? We all know the best storyteller was Jesus going back and learning. Yeah. And then the greatest story, the, the meta story of scripture, mm -hmm. but then stories, you know, the stories, you know, within that meta story in the pages of scripture and the stories of God's redeeming work in his people every moment of every day. You know, so there's, there's, there's no end to the stories that we can and should tell. So hearing what you do seeing obviously your passion. Now let's fast forward into the current relevant stream of COVID 2020. I tell people all the time, a couple of things. One, the church has never closed her doors. Buildings doors have closed. The church has never closed her doors. Talk to us, us a little bit in how media has helped keep the doors open. Yeah, well, clearly, you know, if there were any leaders in the church around the world who said, I don't get, you know, media or I don't get digital ministry, <laughs> that at least that, well, North America and at many countries, it's like, well, the doors got shuttered, the physical doors got shuttered by your government or what have you, um, you know, and, and to your point, like that the church was never about buildings. So, how do we continue? Well, we connect in the digital world. And so, you know, churches are forced to, you know, everybody's been scrambling, you know, how do we do this? How do we pivot what we do and really lean into the digital world? Um, you know, I, I nominate Zoom for a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, it kind of, in a, in a certain sense, held the world together. Of course, we're all tired of Zoom, 
But imagine a world without a Zoom or, you know, you know, we, you and I would be talking right now the way we are, you know, a lot of, a lot of these platforms that exist, you know, we can connect. So I'll just say this, that it's, it's my premise that we should be doing all within our power to connect with people through the screens that they are looking at and, and entering into their digital world with a relationship, a story, a message of hope, the gospel, the good news. And in an ideal world, don't leave them there. You know, that can be our, our on-ramp, our point of entry, our, our contact. That can be the mission field. And in an ideal world, find a way to bring them into real world relationships. Although there are some growing initiatives that, that I'm aware of where there are places where the, the whole coming to faith and then growing in faith may just be digital because of countries that are restricted and so on and so forth. I, I make a provision for that, but I don't know that that's necessarily the best case scenario. So it always, you know, I would always try to advocate for it. Let's meet in the digital world, but let's bring them into three dimension embodied non-digital relationships, even though we do lead the AR augmented and virtual reality network, because there's some really cool things happening there. I just wouldn't want to leave them there, if at all possible, and try to bring them into real world. Right. Well, I tell, you know, we say go fishing. Jesus said, become fishers of men, but being a good fisherman doesn't mean you go out in the boat with the hook and with the bait and with the pole and then sit back and wait for the fish to jump into the boat. We Ooh. have to go and get them. We have to go where they are with the hook, the story. We have to go where they are with the bait. And so what you're talking about with story, what you're talking about with the digital is that it goes out of the boat and into the water and everyone is swimming in that kind of water. They're not in the boat. So, and, and they are swimming five, eight, 10, 12 hours a day in that water. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't advocate it. It's just real though. Yeah. So Periscope up, what Clyde Tabor gets in his networking and from the cockpit, pit of your seat there. Tell us what God is doing in the world outside the U.S. for a moment and seeing in some very persecuted arenas, some very difficult countries to live in as a follower of Jesus. What has COVID done and what has media done in that intersection with and for the church? Great question. I mean, the, the promise is the kingdom will come, his will will be done, you know, the church will be built, the gates of hell cannot prevail. So that's our, that's like our baseline. And so we just know that to be true. It may not always feel like that to be the case, wherever we are in a certain time. So you can kind of look at whether it's Europe or North America, like, oh, it feels like the church is losing ground. Um, but the kingdom is coming. And, and I would say, you know, in some of the harder places on the planet, it, it is coming, his will is being done, some of the bigger movements that I'm aware of, you know, Iran, for example, one of the most, you know, hard to reach countries, most oppressive regimes is where one of, if not the fastest growing churches, a recent study done by an independent secular European organization that was, did a very extensive 250,000 sample size WhatsApp survey was the first like non-anecdotal verification that the church of Iran has exploded. 
Um, you know, so we've always said, oh, there could be 500,000 to maybe a million, maybe even 1.5 million converts from Islam in the last couple of decades. And the, 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 the survey bears that out, which is very interesting. Um, and, and the leaders there, many of them would say it's been most in large part because of media, because it's such an oppressive country that, you know, there's we work with all of the major broadcast networks that are broadcasting in there. And, you know, they're doing extraordinary works, whether that's Moabot or Iran Alive or Set, Set Seven Pars. There's another one that I'm blanking on. <laughs> In any event, they're doing extraordinary work. And that's how people are finding faith. That's how they're learning the gospel. That's how they're getting taught scripture. Now, they have done a really good job. And this is one of the unique exceptions in my mind where media has led to really on the ground movements. A lot of house churches will like watch an online thing. And then they'll have their house church in a, in a little apartment somewhere. Um, so media is doing some, some really cool things. And the spirit is at work. He's, he's, he's convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And um, there's just a lot to be excited by. And I would say one of the ones that the things that you and I are part of is this using particularly social media strategies to reach those people who are going online to look for answers. Because that's what you do everywhere in the world is when they do, whether that's a social media platform or a Google search or whatever, is that they will find believers who are offering content that meets them where they're at, but doesn't leave them there, but brings them through a process of interactions online and then maybe over the phone or digital and then in the real world. That is um, probably the thing that I'm most excited about personally is what's this called media to movements. and helping find those people that are seeking and bringing them into the faith and then helping them grow. Back to the metaphor, if you find the hungriest fish, you don't need very much bait and you can pull them in quite easily and they come the closest to the hook. Dude, I'm going to steal your metaphors if you don't mind. (laughs) I love that. I hadn't heard that one. (laughs) So... When we say woe is me in first world COVID arena of the USA, what I think you and I want our audience to hear today is that there are many who live in situations where it's COVID 24-7, 365 because of the persecution. And because For the last it's not a virus. 20, 50, 100 years. Yeah, right. And so they have a multi-layer now of that. And yet you just told us that it's been authenticated that God's spirit in the Middle East, in a country like Iran, is doing phenomenal, phenomenal work. We saw it in China. We hear it now in uh, Iran. And now, tell me a little bit, but I hear Northern India is where it's happening as well and will be the future movement area of a massive continued movement of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, you got me with that one. I can't say that I have anything on you. So um, if that be, let Lord Jesus come, Lord Jesus come. Spirit of God, continue to move. Because that does seem to be you know, historically, the way the spirit works is it's not like there's just an even coating, <laughs> like, like you just sprinkle and everything just layers evenly across the surface. It just seems like for whatever the number of variables are, the sovereignty of God, that there are times when the spirit's work just becomes powerful in a place for a season. 
And like, you know, I look at Iran and that's been the case for 40 years, you know, ever since the revolution, you know, but I spent some time living next door in Turkey, very comparable country, predominantly Muslim, roughly the same size, 85 to 90 million, et cetera, et cetera. And the church hasn't grown. I mean, it, it has grown from 40 years ago, from maybe 50 believers to maybe six to 10,000 believers. But next door, it went from hundreds to over a million. Like, okay, what's that? That's just, uh, you know, grace, mercy, sovereignty. And so, Lord, you know, and that's happening like amongst the Kurds in the Middle East. And it's happening right now in Northern India. Spirit, just continue to do the work. We have burned up 15 minutes very quickly. We need to get in and get out here. Clyde, in our closing minutes, with your cup of coffee, fireside chat with our friends listening today, what would you tell them, number one, that you have learned from COVID? And number two, what would you tell them in terms of a global perspective? Be encouraged, Christ follower, because this is what God is doing in this day and era. Number yeah. one, Amen. number two, globally. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, COVID is a season. It, it, it shall pass. It's a very, it's a strange season. It's an unprecedented season. I'm 58. My mother's 80. She says, I've never been through anything like this. So, you know, it, this, this too shall pass. God is good. God is sovereign. Um, I do have some concerns, uh, you know, and I think leaders in the church, those who really love Christ, need to kind of watch and see what happens post-COVID. Like, I, I do have a fear that people will get lazy and become comfortable in just, hey, I'm just going to stay home on Sunday, you know, or I'm just going to dial it in on, uh, or ah, I don't even, I'm just, you know, whatever. I, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned by that. So maybe my one admonition would be, this is not an excuse to, to lessen any of the disciplines that we're called to do as followers of Jesus, namely one of those being meeting and assembling. Um, but the spirit is at work. We, it's a privilege for us to be a part of that. Um, you know, the kingdom is coming. We live in a unique age. And I would give another maybe just personal admonition. And, and Mike, you and I have had this conversation is the church's job is to glorify Christ. I believe, and I know you do too, that one of the most critical ways we do that is by helping people become more like Jesus. Jesus said right before he left, go and make disciples, help people become my followers and essentially, so that they will be able to do the same by teaching them what I've taught you, modeling what I've lived for you. And it's one of the greatest joys on the planet is to be able to invest your life in a small way or in a great way to help somebody become more like Jesus. Not enough people are doing that. Um, I, I think. And so here's if, if, if I'll give you my little it's not even a it's a promotional thing, but it's a free thing. 10-minute discipleship challenge. Go to visualstory.org forward slash 12, T-W-E-L-V-E, and just read this little thing, and will you join a growing number of us who are like, we've identified some people that were intentional about loving towards Christ-likeness, because it will give you extraordinary joy. It'll align you with God's heart and purposes, and it will change the lives of those people not only just in your closest circles, but I mean, people that are one or two degrees removed, because I, I think that's all part of it. So anyway, there's my little admonition. Well, thank you, Clyde Tabor. What I heard was, don't lose the disciplines. Remember, this is just a season and this too will pass. 
And the biggest joy you'll ever have, friend, that's watching today is make a disciple just like you, worthy of following. And we are going to put in the little uh, connector that you uh, cited and so forth and uh, that link. And thank you for that. And so here's a man, my friends, who is around the world from his seat. From my digital spot here in Southern California. And yet he is still more than anything else passionate about his 10 or his 12 that he wants to help become more like Jesus. Clyde, thank you, brother. Appreciate your time. You're a busy man. Love it's you. Obviously you love Christ. And for all of you today, thank you for joining man, on this episode of Faith Greater Than Fear. And I hope you'll dial in, listen to it, let it permeate, let it wash over you, let it encourage you. And if it encourages you, it probably has a high likelihood if you'll do the social media thing, it'll encourage somebody else as well. We've got a podcast version of it also. So stay tuned until next time. And in the meantime, may your faith be greater than your fear. Clyde Tabor. Hallelujah. Mike Amen. Bye-bye. Grace and peace. God bless. Bye-bye.